I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get that little nature in the background there. Hello, Caitlin. I feel like this is spring break Renee Stubbs tennis podcast gone wild. <laughs> yeah, but I never went on spring break because, you know, in Australia, it was only summer break. We didn't really have spring break. I can't even remember what that That doesn't even, it doesn't even really exist in Australia, I don't think. Do you guys but, you not know, have four seasons? Talking, not really. I mean, we have summer and winter and pretty much everything in between. We do have spring and we have autumn. You have fall. We have autumn. Um, don't you call it autumn in Canada? Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah, so they, there you go. So you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> but we're on the other side of the world, so it's a little bit flip-flopped. But I am, yes, I am. I have a week off of my show. So I tripped off down to Mexico, and I can honestly say this is my second time to Mexico, and I want to live here. I love it. It's just the best. I told you. I mean, this is why I'm always – this is why I won't shut up about it on our podcast. No. No, no, I can uh, listen. Uh, we're in Las Cabos, so I'm just uh, hoping that maybe the WTA decides to put a tennis tournament here. I'm going to go and hit some tennis balls at the at the resort that I'm at, so I'll let you know if it's functional for a um, a, a WTA event. <laughs> well, I have played in Los Cabos at the courts where they have the men's event. Ah, oh, so they men's have event in Los a men's event. I mean, in Los Cabos already, and they have a stadium court, and it's a hard court, and it's on a hill overlooking the ocean. And they put a stadium around this center court and there's a bunch of other courts all around it. And there's a clubhouse. It's cool. It works. You get it. And it's a beautiful place to be with amazing food and the people are pumped. So Viva Mexico is what I have to say. Viva Mexico. Yes. Uh, women have an event in Guadalajara, which is a great city, very different to Los Cabos, just a little bit more historic and et cetera. Um, but, you know, the WTA has decided to go back to China, but we'll get to that at some point in this podcast. Woo. Should we start there? I feel like there's a lot to discuss. We obviously had a great, uh, amazing tournament to talk about on the men's side this past week. There's now another women's tournament that's underway in Germany. It's Stuttgart. Um, But before we talk about the men's results, uh, which was very fun and very exciting, I think we should, uh, at Monte Carlo, I think we should talk about the WTA a little bit. Um, Let's start there because we had some pretty intense words for the WTA specifically, although, you know, per usual, we, we don't really spare anybody in our assessment of how to get everybody to try to do better. Um, the WTA, since the last time we spoke, has announced that after a couple of years of 
not going to China. I don't necessarily want to call it a boycott, even though they called it a boycott. It was not going to China, but also China was closed during the time that the boycott was happening. Now that it's open, and now that uh, the CEO, Steve Simon, has said that they need to take a new tact, the initial boycott, as they called it a boycott, was because, as they said, um, Peng Shui, the Chinese player who made some credible seeming accusations against a Chinese government official on a social media site, later deleted those accusations, was essentially not available for comment or follow-up. The WTA, among any many, many other folks in the world, had some serious concerns about her safety, well-being, where she was. She was made available to talk, but under supervision. And after a few years of basically waiting for something else to happen, I think the WTA has decided that that's as much as they're going to get from their Chinese counterparts. And now that the country's open again, um, the WTA has a ton of its prize money coming, as much as a third coming from the swing in China specifically. That's where the finals are. There's a 10-year, multi-multi-million dollar prize pot associated with having the tournament in that country specifically, as well as those other tournaments in Wuhan and Beijing. And so here we are this fall. WTA goes back to China. I have a lot of thoughts, actually, um, but I'm curious how this this struck you. You know, I mean, initially, I think what they tried to do was a good thing um, to try and bring light to this. And it became a worldwide story, obviously. I mean, I don't think I've appeared on CNN more in my life or MSNBC um, talking about women's tennis outside of actually women's tennis. Um, so, you know, I think initially it was a... Um, I guess it was a good thing that they, put, you know, decided to stand up to the Chinese government and say these things. But at the same time, what was the the calculation here? Like, was it, okay, let's sit down and really talk about this because if we do pull out, um, and clearly this is, um, you know, w- with the with the idea that no one knew about COVID about to hit the around the corner, um, you know, and then essentially, like you said, they weren't going there anyway because COVID wasn't allowing people to play tournaments in China as it, as it was. So, because the men had no intention of not going and they weren't going either because of COVID. So, sort of, you know, so you can say, well, they took a stand, but really did they? <laughs> so for the first year they took a stand, which I was, you know, you know, proud of them for doing that and standing up to and trying to make change. But it seems to me that they went into this not having a clear understanding of what the ramifications were if nothing was changed. And I have to say, you'd have to say nothing was going to change. I mean, we're talking about China here. I mean, the bottom line is I just think that they had no out. I would like them to be a little bit more transparent in the fact that, look, we really pursued trying to have tournaments in other parts of the world and sort of put it on the society to say, oh, really? Oh, shit. Oh, we'll put on tennis tournaments here. We'll hmm. we'll put prize money up. Like, I want to know, did they go to sponsors? Did they go to other parts of the world and say, listen, we really want to just take all of tennis out of China. Um, and we try to have groups or VC companies or whatever, uh, different countries, whether it be Mexico or Spain or whoever, you know, say, no, no, we want to put on eight tournaments. We'd like to have your fall schedule back again. Because, I mean, when I played the first 15 years of my career, we were in Europe. We played Europe at the end of the year. We played all indoor tournaments and we played, 
then back in the States, in Philadelphia and Chicago. Yeah, where's the carpet? Get some carpet company to sponsor the carpet swing. I'm there for that. And I'm, if I own a carpet company, I'm bringing tennis back to my favorite surface of carpet. Yeah, that's, I mean, and just say, look, this came back down to finances. Just, just be honest. Like no one else wanted to put it on a six week or seven week swing like China does. They're, they're, they're throwing money down our throats. We got to go back. Like, let's be fucking honest about this. Like, let's not be like, well, you know, we, we really got to, we've got, you know, Steve saying we've got to take an, another, another track. What? There's no track. It's one track. It's China's track. It's China's track. It is so hard just to say, see what the new approach would be other than just taking their money. I yeah, don't that's know, the, uh, here's I don't the other know track. what else. Yeah. What else that could be you either take their money or you don't. Oh, we're going to work with them. We want to, you know, try and change the face of like tennis in China. And we want to try and, you know, get more people. Play. It's like, that was, that was the idea 10 years ago. And things have, what has changed since that moment to this is that we have a credible former world number one in doubles, former top 20 singles player um, who has essentially been silenced. So that has not changed. So what was your, you know, end game in doing this in the first place? And just admit nothing changed. We're kind of screwed. Financially, we need this. Nobody else has put up the money. And so we're going back. And just be honest, like take it up. Like, like, like literally you're just having to admit nothing worked. And that's, that's okay. My, but, you know, my- I just... I, th- I feel like Steve Simon in this situation should, should step down. And a lot of people are like, oh, Steve's a great guy. And all those things are true. And he is a great guy. But I think there has to be a massive change in <clears throat> the leadership of the WTA with what's happened here. I do. I, I think, interestingly, because sometimes I, despite our, not at the very moment, uh, proximity to each other, but just how often I see you and talk to you. Sometimes I feel like I could predict what you're going to say. And I didn't actually think that you were going to say any of that stuff because that's essentially what I was going to say. And, and it's really too bad my- because this is the 50th year of the WTA. This is the 50th year of the, the, the existence starting in 1973 with the original nine. We've talked about them ad nauseum. I've written about them. You've met them all. Billy is a hero, not only to both of us, but also like legion of people in the world. This is on the 50th anniversary of this body, I have so many things that I feel like I want to be able to celebrate, but can't quite, which is really frustrating because so many things that tennis was so good at doing, which was putting women on nearly equal footing with men, creating a blueprint for all these other sports to have leaders and to have structure and to have sponsors and to have their own following and in their own media deals, um, you know, which really laid the ground for the 96ers, the women who in 1996 won the gold medal in soccer and then became essentially able to create a viable league and now viable teams and now a viable really society of soccer players, hockey. We've now fallen behind. And what's so frustrating to watch, and I do want to make an optimistic point here, but before I do, I have to get this off my chest, which is what's frustrating to watch is just that as these other leagues and women's sports expands, people who buy rights, people who buy stadiums, people who buy merchandise sponsorships, celebrities who are buying shares of teams, tennis has fallen behind this. And I can't help but think that as our sport, the third most popular global sport proven to create 
feeding frenzies of ticket sales, viewership, and all the attendant stuff that goes with it. We haven't been able to optimize this. And that's true of the men too. They haven't been able to optimize it, but it's more true of the WTA. And I think to your point, the fact that there wasn't a plan, the fact that there wasn't a, and I hope there was, and we just don't know about it, but a really aggressive outreach to sort of say like, hey, we've now made this stand. We absolutely have to do something else. And what what is that something else going to look like? Um, I think is the, yeah. the part that sort of shocks mm. me that it, it's not happening. And I think the optimistic thing I will say is that I think we know with the purchase by CBC, the private equity group out of, the, out of Europe um, and the incoming CEO of that group, and there's a new board of advisors for that group, among whom are brilliant sort of people coming from outside of tennis, people who haven't necessarily worked in the sport and sort of have its own limitations and baggage are coming in through that portal who maybe will, will, and there are plenty of people who I think are really entrepreneurial and really thoughtful about bringing money and excitement and connecting that with some of what we see other women's sports benefiting from. It's just a little bit crazy yeah. to me that that's not already happened. And I hope to God that this new group is able to do it because it's really sort of frustrating to watch them fail to have a plan here. Yeah, I think that's what, you know, I was sort of getting to was that I just think, I, and, and as you just said, you know, I hope there was a plan, but it just seems like to me it was, you know, um, there was no plan. You know, it, I feel like the WTA is inconsistent with that, you know, and they struggle with money and that's why they're going back to China and as opposed to, like you said, you know, you've got Alexis Ohanian with his daughter at an L.A. soccer game yesterday because they own part of the L.A. Um, uh, uh, w, the Women's Soccer League. So it's like, wait a second, like you've got people like Serena Williams and Venus Williams, for example, you know, Venus is buying shares in a pickleball um, team or Naomi Osaka is buying shares in a pickleball team and Nick Kyrgios, I'm not worried about the men, but like the women we're talking about, like, you'd have got the Brandy Chastain's involvement in, you know, getting a new soccer team up in San Francisco. You've got the WNBA is like, you know, going forward and forward and forward because of, you know, players that are making strides in the NCAA women's tournament where the numbers are going through the roof, how more successful, um, you know, ESPN's coverage of the NCAA women's basketball was like all these things. And as you said, there's women's sport, other women's sports that are nipping at the heels of the most popular sport, for women in the world and that's tennis and I think that the WTA needs to really sit back and go what do we need to do to shake it up and how do we get people involved like you know me I can t I know how so many people that I've met in the world of business politics entertainment you know all these things and I, I you know you know some of my friends it's like they are obsessed with tennis but yet has someone gone out and outreach to them Hey, well, you want to get involved in a women's tennis event? Like, you know, just having people that are superstars going to, you know, these LA women's soccer games is making it more popular. For sure. So why aren't yeah, you know, Jessica the two Chastain is a huge following and wears the LA Angels football club jersey for free on her Instagram. You can't buy that kind of advertising. She owns part of the team. She's at the games. I don't know. And I do will, I will say you brought up an interesting point, whether you intended to or not, which is not only is it incumbent upon the people who run the sport to create opportunities for people to invest in, but also I want to know, and I would love to challenge, did Naomi Osaka look at tennis investments before she decided to buy a pickleball shares? Did, did Serena, did Venus, did all these, are all these players making themselves available? Are they trying to kind of give back to the sport? I hope that's true. Um, and I suspect it might not be maybe because it's hard or maybe because 
there doesn't exist that sort of affinity or opportunity, or maybe we should push them to be better, you know? And I think not to let them off the hook because part of this has to do with them too. But I just think it's frustrating to watch such a great product, which is women's tennis and such a great moment, which is which women's sports generally is having and feel like both the people in charge of the sport and also um, some of the people who you mentioned are, you know, leading funds, creating legislation, powerful, interesting, you know, and, and I think ambitious people, we got to be able to figure this out. Like it's not, it's not due to lack of popularity and it's not due to lack of a good product. And so I'm hopeful that this new generation of sort of leadership that is kind of coming in to the WTA, whose task is to solve this, um, will have some great ideas, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how you leave things the way that they've been and with the leadership and, and some of the structure, I think it needs to sort of drastically be addressed. And, you know, I, I, I've lived in China. I like China. I have plenty of things to to sort of say about the positivity of my experience. But I also think, you know, if if Charles Leclerc were kidnapped from, you know, a Monaco event, it's hard to imagine F1 would stay there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, well, it's just, it's just kind of like, how do you do that? How do you, as a, as a sport, do that? The ATP didn't even consider doing the right thing. And the WTA, to their credit and fault, did for whatever reason, and then now they undid it. And so it's just sort of like, oh man, leaders lead guys. You wanna be leaders? You wanna be the guy at the, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Like, let's go, do better. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Leclerc, he was at the F1, uh, sorry, he was at the Monaco tournament yesterday. And I mean, hello, another two, him and Gasly were at the tournament yesterday. So it's like, do you know how many people love tennis? Like you don't see them at watching pickleball games. You know what I mean? It's like, so, that's what I'm saying about taking advantage of the actual superstars that love the game of tennis and we don't reach out to them. And I mean, as far as this China situation is concerned, I mean, I know from some of you very, very credible in the in the tennis tour, you know, that there were several top, top, top players that were not even spoken to about going to China. Again, there's only so much that we can do as tennis players know the geopolitics of the sport of tennis going through and back to China. But you know, when you think about the, they're going back to China, but yet, you know, it's taken them forever to deal with this Ukrainian issue with the players. I mean, you've got players that are having panic attacks and are not able to walk out on the court against a Belarusian or a Russian player. And I mean, they kind of like pussyfooted around that whole situation. And now they're paying the price with that because now, you know, the players are now getting able to play Russia, uh, sorry, the Russian and Belarusians are able to play Wimbledon. And then you've got some Ukrainian players that are pissed off. So it's just like, oh my God, it's like, it's never ending with the disaster. Well, it's also not going to go away, which is why I think you need to sort of create, which is your point, like the people who are tasked with leading the, 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 the non-player leaders who are, you know, the same types of people who are in charge of the WNBA, the same types of people who are in charge of the surf leagues, whatever it is, the, the the career bureaucrat leaders, I think, need to, yeah. Listen, I hope it changes, and I think maybe it will. A last little question to you. Do you think that it's um, incumbent on the WTA to be a little bit more open about the fact that they did have talks with other people, but yet nothing came to fruition, and that's why we're going back to China? Like, like I hate this, well, we're going to try a different track kind of thing, because that's just horseshit. Like, I want to hear more honesty about it. And so everyone's on the up and up. And maybe the player council knows this. I don't know. Like, but like to people that are in the industry, like me, that are in television, that want to know more, that get asked to go on CNN to talk about the WTA and like their decisions. 
<clears throat> but yet there's no forthright understanding of what really took place deep down inside. It's the same as when I go onto their WTA website and I want to find out information about players and it hasn't been updated for two years. Like it's the same stuff. This is why I'm so passionate and upset about it because I just feel like, and I, and people can say all they want, well, you, you need more money for marketing. You need more money for this. You need more money for more expertise. I, I just, it drives, it's, it drives me crazy. I just think the WTA is just, there's just this like big black hole in the middle of it where they miss the boat half the time. And I'm, I'm speaking from my own personal, you know, encounters with having to deal with it. So that's why I'm really passionate about it. And that's why I'm upset about it. And there might be some people out there, the WTA, it's like, oh, you have no idea the work we did behind the scenes and we did this and we, well, tell me. When you say the way to link, I think the points we're both making is I think one thing I've seen, and this is true of a couple of different governing bodies. I won't pretend to have had high level conversations with every single governing body. There are seven, but I've had conversations with people pretty high ranking in a number of different governing bodies, marketing, administration of tournaments, you know, blah, 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 blah. And one thing is almost always true. They're nice people. They're trying their best. They are handcuffed by myriad things that we don't see, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's to be true, but the- yes. Other thing that's true is that not a whole lot of them have spent any time outside of tennis. Not a whole lot of them have what I would call particularly encouraging big thinking, big ideas, creativity, and the sort of experience. Maybe it's entrepreneurship. Maybe it's working for another sports league. Maybe it's working at you know, a bank or an entertainment firm. Tennis has had a revolving door of you work at an agency, then you work at a governing body, then you work at a brand, then you work at an agency, then you work at a governing body, then you work at a brand. Like these are folks who kind of keep going in the revolving door of the same ideas, the same relationships, the same people, the same concepts, and they see the same limitations. Whereas when you bring in somebody from the outside who has a disruptive type of mindset or has different experiences, all of a sudden new ideas get on the table and things that maybe have been tried before, but not in the same way, get put on the table again. And so I think for me, that's where it comes down to transparency and competence. One of the things that everywhere else outside of the tennis world, governing bodies in sports have learned to be much more transparent because they know that that makes a better product. It makes a better organization. And the candor with which most other governing bodies of sports treat their task, treat the discharge of their duties. I'm thinking specifically about the NBA, but also truly the most internecine and secretive of the governing bodies, the NFL. Even Roger Goodell has had to explain multiple times why people like Dan Snyder are still in the league, why the sexual harassment policy exists as it does, why they've made this decision or not that decision. Part of that is having a healthy, robust press around the sport, asking the tough questions. But part of it is also the culture of the sport, feeling like they have to provide answers. And I think because tennis has been this like kind of little sleepy backwater where everybody knows each other and everyone's got, don't worry, I'll hire your kid over at my company. Don't worry, I've got your back when you are done doing that governing body thing. Just come over here and be an agent. You know, it's it's the same kind of like little buddy buddy thing. And the culture isn't, you're right, I'm going to come out and I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to tell you, we tried really hard to get the Emiratis and we tried really hard to get the Mexicans and they didn't quite come up with enough money. So we have no choice and this is what we have to do. And it sucks, but this is my responsibility is to make sure there's a viable league if steve simon had said that i would think yeah okay and maybe he did all those things he's just not the culture isn't to say them because nobody is afraid everyone's afraid to sort of say or own anything and to be honest most of what allows us as an independent media company you as an independent media 
personality, coach, contractor, et cetera, what allows us to have this conversation is our independence. If you and I were working for the WTA, if we were working for the USTA, if we were working for some other governing body, we would be scared into silence, or probably in my case at least, we'd, I'd already have been fired because nobody tolerates this level of transparency. It is springtime, and I would encourage all of you listening to this podcast that it is possible to start spring in a body that you love with Sakara's signature nutrition program. It's designed to support healthy weight management, ease bloat, boost energy, all with Sakara's plant-rich, organic, ready-to-eat meals that ensure that you get the right nutrients to see and feel real results. Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. They're science-backed, ready-to-eat meals, deliver results you can see and feel, from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash racket to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash racket. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the idea that Steve Simon could come out and say, here's what we tried. Here's what we did. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I'm thinking. Maybe he could do it because he runs it. But the whole culture of the place isn't even tolerant of that. And again, when I say things like the entirety of the media apparatus, the entirety of the governing body apparatus, the entirety of the sponsorship and agent apparatus needs probably to be blown up and rebuilt a little bit. Not to say everybody needs to lose their job and, you know, forever be stuck in condemnation, but rather there just needs to be a shakeup in a lot of very fundamental ways because the things that we know to be true are true. Tennis is incredibly popular global sport. Women's tennis is the most popular women's sport. Somehow the fact that we've fallen behind all these other women's sports is unacceptable. Things need to change. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of drastic I, change. I know you are too. And that's in the spirit of making this product as absolutely successful as it deserves to be is what this conversation is about. And it's one that unfortunately we find ourselves keep having. Yeah, I just I just feel like there's an avenue or there's uh, ways to, you know, make it popular and <clears throat> make it more popular, make it marketing, marketing it better. Um, and so we don't have to go to China necessarily. Right. And so that's my so we have options. 
I just give me options and then let me know the bottom line of those options. And if they are significantly less or whatever, after we've done all the marketing or, you know, ask people to get on board, I don't know, grab a, grab a rebel Wilson who's obsessed with tennis and get her to do a campaign for you or something like that. You know, like there's ways around it. I know. Does it cost you money? Of course it costs you money, but there's also a quid pro quo. You know, you can, you can say, we'll invite you to any event and we'd love to have you here. And would you mind doing like, like she did with the NFL last year with the LA Rams. Like she did an entire thing for the NFL and the LA Rams. They paid her money and she did their, like there's so many people like that that are obsessed with tennis. I know plenty of them that would love to do something like that, but there's never a question asked of people like that. Instead, we get them to fucking buy pickleball, um, you know, uh, teams. But all right, well, anyway. I think we've hit all, right, so we've hit all the hits. We did all the notes. Yeah, <laughs> we hit all the, we've hit all the notes. All the hits, everybody. You're welcome for yet another WTA rant. On to Charles Leclerc, Paul Gasly, and what they were watching in Monte Carlo, which was the incredible tennis tournament that took place at what has to be one of the most beautiful tennis clubs in all of the world. I have not been to Monaco. I have not seen it in person. I don't know if you've been. A lot of players live there. What were your thoughts? What were your impressions? Give me the, give me everything off the top of your mind. Fantastic event, right? Um, Just incredible to see, um, you know, these players just battling it out. Tough conditions, a lot of rain this week. Um, and so that was that was pretty tough for the players to have to go on and off the court. I was super happy to see Taylor Fritz have a great tournament. I always loved the fact that he kicked Stefanos Tsitsipas' butt um, after Stefanos made that very, very, very weird, but not that that's every, any abnormality when it comes to Stefanos Tsitsipas and his weird tweets and rants on cameras. But basically saying it's USA red clay unicorn like what and then and then i love i'm loving the trash talk right, to be honest um and then taylor goes and kicks his butt on red clay and then writes on the thing usa clay question mark question mark question mark i loved it it was great that that whole little episode between um him and steph was classic and you know taylor fritz is letting everyone know that he is a real threat on every single surface so i'm i'm happy to see that for american tennis obviously i want to flip back to francis tiafo speaking of Clay winning um, the U.S. Clay Court tournament in um, in uh, in Houston. That was awesome to see him get his second ATP um, title. So you know, American men are sort of proving themselves that they can play on all surfaces, which is nice to see. But I mean, overall, look, you know, I was bummed for a sinner that he didn't get through to another final. I mean, you know how I feel about him. I just love him. I think he's just such a great kid, and his efforts through the week to come back from. I mean, he's had such a long, long, long like two two months and I was kind of hoping it would culminate by winning this tournament but um you know fell short against Rune who's just you know proving himself to be so good on all surfaces and he's so young but man he's disliked on tour I mean is there a person that likes this kid like it's amazing he just pisses people off on the court and the garbage that he carries on with but I'm hoping by the time he's 22 or 23 he's kind of calmed down a little bit with that stuff and being so I don't know just punchable can I say that like (laughs) just punchable with his antics and the way he carries on and I think it really hurts him because look at what happened in the final against Rublev I mean he was smacking Rublev he gets up 4-1 and bang the cramps start again and he's had an issue with this in the past where the cramping has really hurt him and I just wonder how much of that has to do with his emotions and his ups and downs and the energy he's using to to yeah just do whatever, you know, and then he belts two balls out of the 
out of the stadium, which frankly should have been two warnings. I don't know why that was only given one warning. That's some bullshit. Like as soon as he hit it out, it should have been warning ball of Bruce abuse. Instead, there was like five seconds and then bang, he hit another one out. That should have been two. That should have been a point penalty. There's little things like that that teach people. Look at Dennis Shapovalov when he hit the umpire. Yeah. You know, changed and, the course of his life. He's never been a dick again. Well, uh, I, I don't know if he hasn't been a dick on court. I mean, there's certainly things that Dennis probably could get a little bit better of himself when it comes to his attitude. And this is hello, those that live in glass houses. <laughs> like, I'm talking about this from experience. Like, I think he definitely, definitely that changed him. He could probably get better. But someone like that to Rune, to lose a point, you know, and get a pen, point penalty, you start saying, you've got to have some restraint at times. You know, and Roger Federer learned that from a very young age because he was a complete hothead when he was younger. And like someone like, you know, Uncle Tony told, tells Rafa, if you ever do that again, like I'll take the record out of your hand, you'll never get on the tennis court. So there are little things that he could probably get better at, but Rune has definitely proven himself to be one of the best players in the world. This kid's going to be around a long time. He's really friggin' good. Um, but I mean, how happy were you for Rublev? I mean, this guy. Like, I love Rublev. Finally- that was such a good I- outcome. Especially because just, with all of the Russia stuff and him being on the right side of it and just a emotive, thoughtful, hardworking, you know, head down kind of player, especially against a hothead like Runa, who's got the game. I totally agree. And is absolutely elite on all surfaces. But emotionally, you just really, really want Rublev to win that unless you like the assholes because Rublev could not be... I think more well-liked and self-effacing and funny. Like he's such a good personality, but honestly, like one of the things that I took away from the tournament, especially given like the kind of like little trash talk with Brits and Stefanos, the little like, you know, Medvedev and Zverev. Medvedev and Zverev. That was hilarious. Um, Especially because Zverev is talking about how it feels to be a great sport. And then people on the internet immediately posted that video of him tomahawk chopping the umpire stand, which in my mind should have, been the second time that he was probably justified in being kicked off the tour. Um, But it's really funny because I think now that the big three are not um, as present in our space and obviously Djokovic played, he broke a couple rackets. He um, did not play as best as he often doesn't in Monte Carlo. Um, But since he was bounced from the tournament, it was sort of nice to see this other generation of kids kind of getting chippy and like competing with each other. I really liked that. I thought it meant the this layer of the ATP was all kind of like interesting. I do want to make the point that both Zverev and Runa, who have like two of the more like kind of um questionable attitudes on the court, are both the guys like most likely you- most likely to like double fault on match point. You know, I think there's something about their like, you know, like tough guy act that is such an act where you're like, oh, who's gonna double fault on match point? It's Alex Zverev. Oh, who's gonna choke against Rublev? It's Runa. You know, it's like all the tough guys on the on the on the blacktop at recess. You're like, oh, really? You want to step to me? And yeah, let's see what you got. Oh, it's a bunch of 87 mile an hour second serves. That's what we're getting. Cool. All right, keep 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 it up, big boy. It reminds me of uh, my best friend had a party for her seven year old son once, and the two most bullying kids that, at the party. I I I've never listen. If you ever want to have a, you know, you have a, a son, but he's like he's like my best friend's kid, like really sensitive and really like adorable and very, you know, he's obviously has two moms. My friend's uh, kid has two older sisters. So, you know, I think when you're around women, you tend to respect them and act a little bit better as opposed to 
so they had this seven-year-old birthday party and it was literally, I swear to God, it was like Lord of the friggin' flies. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like once they all get together, these boys, they become little pricks. And like, even my friend's kid, I was like, what happened to you? So sweet. And he was like, running around like a boy, like, you know, getting all in trouble. And the two kids that were the biggest bullies at that, at his little party that I was watching, you know, I'm watching all the, you know, all the little groups get together and stuff happening. The two biggest little assholes, when it became time to sleep over at night, they were, they both cried and wanted to go home. They wanted That's their the mum to pick them up. Little so bitches. Totally. So funny. Peter was so actually was like, at a sleepover yesterday and the one kid who was trying to bully everybody is the one kid who ended up crying. And you're like, you know yeah. what? That's always the case. Like, who's who's the little bitch? It's not the guy who's talking tough. It's going to be the Rublev who's like actually tough, who's emotionally mature and not going to talk shit and then not be able to back it up. So for me, the Rublev outcome was awesome. And I just want to say I'm so into this cohort of men's tennis players. We've kind of gotten past the corporate, oh, what a great, incredible person you are. What a, you know, it's just like, ugh, I'm so sick of that. Like, let's just be real and be athletes and kind of chippy. I like that. I'm here for that. I don't, you know, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Don't take it too far, but like, we're competitors. Let's compete. Don't be afraid to say, I mean, listen, I don't mind the chippiness, but, you know, be be a little bit more self-aware. I mean, like, Zverev to bitch about Medvedev. Like, I find Medvedev to be one of the more sporting guys on tour. I mean, yes, he carries on carries on like a bit of an idiot when he's bitching about the hard court not being a hard court, and maybe he's trying to get into the head of his opponent that way. But as far as just playing, the guy just plays, you know what I mean? And and if he had to pee at 4-3 in the third, he had to pee. I've never seen him do that. I've never seen him go off the court. Like, he really obviously he's had to go He's not famous for being a bathroom break no like no no he's not Stefan Osutsipas going off the court for 20 minutes but I just thought it was so funny that Zverev had his comments about that it's like dude just like admit you lost like you choked okay this is the bottom line like get on with it per um, usual. and then and then and then Medvedev to come into the press conference the next day and be like hold on hold on a second time right. out <laughs> let's go through the litany of shit that Zverev has done so I just think it's hilarious and I'm here for it. And I love the fact that Rublev said in the end of his speech, I want to thank you all for the support because knowing where I'm from, I want to thank you for the support all around the world. And it's because he's been the one Russian player, really, that has written on the cameras, no war, I want peace. Like that's about as far as you can go, I think, as a Russian without having to worry about your family being abducted and put away somewhere in Siberia. So you know, I'm super aware that these Russian and Belarusian players, it's really hard for them to say something publicly because, I mean, look, you just saw, I don't know if you saw this Russian journalist that said something about anti-war. He's been put in prison for 20 years in Russia. Yep. This is like, what autocracies do. Like, they're not fucking around with journalists. And if you're an athlete who's an ambassador and you're out in front of a bunch of cameras and you say something like the Peng Shui situation we were just talking about, you are... Uh, an enemy of the state, you know, like these guys don't like dissent. Um, and so for me, yeah, Rublev is so hard not to like, and for him to have a big breakthrough at a Masters 1000 like this, after getting to a ton of finals, going deep at a ton of these tournaments, and really being, I think, among this generation's like sort of most exciting players, like the way he hits his forehand in particular is so exciting. If you've never seen the meme of him looking like a cat on the internet, do yourself a favor and Google that. I don't know if you've seen it. It's <laughs> hilarious. He looks like... <laughs> I'm going to send it to you after this podcast. It's incredible. So for me, just really, really great outcome, really great tournament. 
And, you know, I think for me, the clay season being fully underway with both men's and women's, we should shout out to Casper Ruud, who won the tournament in Portugal. Um, you know, there's just there's just a ton of really Although, good, exciting tennis. Although I, I would like you to um, explain to me why he's complaining about the fact that he doesn't get enough publicity after he won that tournament in Portugal. But yet it's basically the first time he's won more than two matches at a tournament all year and yet he wins one tournament he's like you know i just feel like i don't get enough coverage i'm like dude you've be- played like shit for six months that's why well, like the thing i would say is hey Rubla, hey uh casper rude we made a uh we made an overture i i came up with a nickname for you and an oatmeal company wanted to sponsor you you want to show that you're fun and able to like be in front of cameras and cool and taking a joke get at me tell your agent he blew it like uh, we're the offer still on the table you know like are you kidding no, of course not. An oatmeal company came to me and said, hey, we saw that you started calling Casper Rude Oatmeal Stallion. Do you think he would do it? And I said, I don't, here's his agent's number. Give him a call. And the agent was like, oh, this guy, he's this, he's too high ranked to consider something like this. And I was like, making money from a cool idea? All right, cool. Let me know when you change your mind. So it's ironic to hear somebody complaining about not having a high enough profile if they're going to not be cool or fun. So listen, well, the, offers, so, offers always so the- on the table to be cool and fun. So the point of this is, Casper, it's actually not the ATP that are causing you to have no um, public persona and more uh, exposure. It's actually your agent. (laughs) The call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, there you go. Um, Okay, so let's, uh, you know, Billie Billie Jean King Cup. That's a lot. Can we just call it the BJK Cup? Yes. Can we just call it the King Cup? Anyway, um, the Billie Jean King Cup was played last week too. All the players that moved through. I just love to still see these players like lose their friggin' minds when they win a match for their country. It's just the most fun thing. I know how much it felt and how proud I was to play for Australia and win big matches. And it's still so meaningful to the players. So it was great to see all the outcomes last week. We'll get to see them all in the finals coming up at the end of the year. So congrats to all the teams that moved through. Who moved um, through? I now that we're talking get... about it, it was USA, Mikoko, uh, yep. Co- USA, uh, Jess well, Pagula, Coco uh, Goff, Kennan. And... Uh, yeah, that, that that team, they all moved they moved through. France um, moved through. It was some France it's gonna be some through. pretty good big uh big appearances big coming up in the next yep. uh, in the next round because it doesn't Rubakina. get any more except Rubakina. Rubakina played for, for Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan got them through. Yeah, so um yeah, I'm I, I need the list in front of me. But, I imagine um, the yeah. Czech team is probably headed through. Hard to Czech announce. team played against U- Ukraine. You have your computer. Why don't you look that up? Um, we'll cut this out and ha- actually have an idea. But um, so, yeah, Ukraine and the Czechs played in Turkey because it was supposed to be a home tie in Ukraine because the last time they played was in the Czech Republic. And so whenever you play the team that you play again the next time, you play them in your country and then it flips back to the other country. So this time they had to play in a neutral zone and then Barbara Krajikova, I want to give a big shout out to Barbara yeah, Krajikova, cool. who donated all her money from her play um, for the Czech Republic against Ukraine to the earthquake victims and I believe to Ukraine's uh, Ukrainians as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Super so, cool. you know, she, she's just, you know, she's just, she's a person that gets the whole big picture as well. She doesn't get talked about enough. She doesn't get enough publicity. Um, so, and Kudos she's not complaining. Her. You know what she's doing? She's putting her money where her mouth is, literally, and 
getting headlines for doing the right thing. So shout out to Barbara Kajikova, Casper Rude, take a page. Congratulations to the Czech team and the other team that's going on is Spain. So we have an incredible, incredible lineup for BJK Cup in the next uh, the next semis and finals, as we should, because there's yeah. just absolute incredible depth on every team that we just talked about. Um, all right, should we wrap it up? Should I let you get back to your Los Cabos vacation? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on all the things happening in uh, the Porsche Stuttgart tournament, which is one of my favorite, was one of my favorite tournaments of the year. Um, fabulous to see Iga Sviantek back playing indoors on clay. We'll see where she stacks up now um, going into her defense of the French Open. Clearly, she's going to be the favorite. We've got just fabulous um, women's stories all around. And the men's is so open now. I love it. Um, obviously, we've got Alcaraz, what's going on with his injuries. It's a real concern to me. Um, that someone his, his age is really struggling with that week in and week out. But hopefully as he mature, matures and gets stronger in his body, like Runa, to be honest, I think Runa, maybe these cramps and situations will dissipate as he gets older and stronger and understands how to control his emotions a little bit. And same with Alcaraz. Like Alcaraz as well is so fired up all the time that maybe that causes some tension in his body and it's causing him to have injuries as well. But, um, you know, Hopefully everyone's back at full force. Not ha- we, w- n- what is not happening is Rafael Nadal playing. What the fuck is happening with him? You know, his body is not cooperating. This hip is going to be an ongoing issue. And I mean, at this present moment, he's not playing any lead-up tournaments to the French Open. So, you know, I think if he plays Rome, that'll be a really good sign for him. But the injuries there are very strange. Um so I don't know. With the men's, there's a lot of injuries that are causing some disruptions. With the women, they're all hopefully back strong and at their best this week and next week. Um, so, I'm yeah, I'm super pumped. I'm going to enjoy every second of my trip away, but I will be keeping a good and close eye on everything happening in the world of tennis with you, my friend. All right. Until next time, enjoy the beach. Enjoy uh, the sand. Enjoy the food. Viva, viva Mexico. And, I will know. have plenty of margaritas and plenty of tequila and I will bring back a sweet bottle of tequila back to the States because it's my favorite thing to do when I'm here. Buy tequila at half price in Mexico and then take it back to the States. So, Caitlin, great talking to you. Everybody else, thanks for listening to us. And I'm sorry again about getting fired up about the WTA, but it's a personal reminder of so many things that are lacking when it comes to them. And I think we just need to get it all better. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.